This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. The American Cancer Society estimates that there will be almost 1.7 million new cancer cases in the United States this year, with just over 600,000 deaths due to to the disease. And those people who are afflicted with cancer will be relying on help from cancer centers around the country. But there may be a problem for people who want to go to a facility designated by the National Cancer Institute especially if they have a narrow network insurance plan. Many of those plans exclude doctors at those facilities because of costs associated with treatment. This news comes in new reporting by the Perelman School of Medicine here at the University of Pennsylvania. Here to discuss it, Dr. Daniel Polsky, who's executive director of the Leonard Davis Institute of Health Economics, and he's also a professor at the Perelman School. And joining us as well, Laura Yasaitis, who is a postdoctoral researcher in health policy at the Perelman School. Great to have you both with us today. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, How many people are we talking about here that that really kind of fall into this group? Um, So the the group here is mostly related to the um, insurance that's sold uh, on in the individual market, uh, which is like the Obamacare markets, uh, which represents about seven percent of um, of the entire insured market, uh, where these narrow network plans are more prevalent, but uh, this is a trend, and and we see uh, more and more uh, insurance companies uh, offering uh, narrow network options. And it really, it, it's the cost that these cases are are coming into. Obviously, with the treatment of cancer, that is a reason why the insurance companies are saying, "Hey, listen, these these locations are are not accessible to patients at this point." I mean, I think it's a it's. It's a it's a complex issue um, because uh, insurance companies and providers, whether they're you know hospitals, cancer doctors, or any doctor, negotiate uh, for uh, the price or the, the the reimbursement that an insurance company is going to pay the doctor, um, and so that happens for all doctors. If you're are if you're a specialist that's a very unique specialist, um, you have a lot of negotiating power to get a really high rate. Yeah. Um, so sometimes the insurance company's got to say that's just too high, and I'm going to walk away. So uh, I don't think the intention is to leave out these uh, high-end cancer specialists. It's just uh, it's a it's a sad fact that in um, uh, uh, in private markets there's negotiation that happens, and sometimes yeah. you have to walk away. So I guess give us the numbers on here. I mean, you were looking at a variety of different institutes from what about three years ago, correct? Right. So most of the data we analyzed came from the 2014 uh, data, but we have no reason to believe that this is not still a continuing trend, especially as some of the more broader network insurers have dropped out of the market. So it's something that we should definitely still be concerned about. And we looked at, we identified 248 of these networks. These are when an insurance company creates an insurance plan, they contract with a group of physicians, and that's their network. We identified 248 of these across 51 different markets. And these markets are all ones that had at least one of these National Cancer Institute designated hospitals. So we looked at those, and we found, just as a quick sort of broad strokes view of it, that if you look at these 248, and you look at ones that included fewer than 25% of their markets oncologists. So of every four oncologists, they included one or fewer of them. Right. We found about a third of the networks fall into that category. And of those networks, they are half the 
included doctors are half as likely to be NCI-affiliated as the excluded doctors. So, hmm. And if you look at the broader two-third of networks, the ones that include more than a quarter of their markets oncologists, the included and excluded doctors are equally likely to be NCI-affiliated. So it's this very clear trend that's happening, and it's pretty prevalent. I mean, a, a third of all the networks that we identified in these markets are part of this group that's ex that's narrow and more likely to exclude NCI-affiliated doctors. And obviously the, the impact for these for these cancer patients in dealing with this is obviously their choices, their options in terms of who they can go see get slashed quite a bit, and it obviously makes it a little bit harder. Now, I would imagine in some of these markets, uh, when you're talking about an institution like the, the National Cancer Institute, I mean, I, I would think that they're in – a good many of these markets, there are probably a variety of oncologists within that kind of framework, but it just cuts down the number of, of potential options that these patients have, correct? Right. So the actual, there are actually probably quite a few more oncologists in general in these markets because they have these big centers. Right. So there are still quite a few covered oncologists that uh, someone with one of these narrow networks could see, but they are less likely to be affiliated with an NCI center. And so for many cancers, this, it's fewer options, yes, but it might not be a matter of life and death. But right. there are patients for which it could be, people with really rare cancers or very complex uh, diseases in addition to their cancer, and they would need right. this complex care. And those are the patients we would worry about the most. Dan? Um, I just want to point out that what we talk about is um, that, the, the, that the concern we have is largely one of transparency. So when you... Buy your insurance policy. The insurance policy for all your listeners, you know, hopefully most of you are insured. Um, but if I asked you to tell me uh, who the doctors are in your yeah. network, yeah. The, the most you'd know is that, oh, my doctor is in my network. Yeah. But uh, cancer is something that uh, you don't really anticipate is going to happen sure. to you. And yeah. when it happens, it's often a big surprise. Um, and that's the point at which you want to know if cancer doctor that you'd really want to see is in your network. So the, the, the challenge here is um, how can you inform a consumer, uh, which is someone buying an insurance policy, about the potential doctors that they could see if something bad happened to them? There's just no way they'd know. So the sad part here is that for the people who uh, are getting a new diagnosis of cancer, they find themselves having purchased a plan with a limited set of options, one they would not have chosen right. had they had the opportunity to uh, look with this full knowledge. It becomes a bigger question because, and I think you were kind of alluding to this, we have a lot of people out there as have insurance, and I would say the majority of them would say, yeah, my primary care physician is A. Beyond that, they probably don't even think about it that much. And obviously with a situation like cancer, you don't think about it realistically unless, you know, there is a history, you know, in your family of, of some kind. You don't even think about it. So, I mean, there it kind of complicates the issue of, of just the understanding of the knowing and, and of the research that probably people need to start thinking about more. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, as our as our president said, like, you know, healthcare is complex. You know, who knew? Oh, um, right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what, what we find, uh, uh, we've done some—, some um, a field work asking uh, experts that work with co uh, consumers to pick their insurance plans. What do they care about? What do they think about when they're picking their insurance plan? Right. The, one of the last things on their list is, you know, a full network. Is this a narrow or broad network of doctors? They don't really understand the concept. 
But they do want to know, they do really care about, just like you said, is my doctor in the network? Um, and so often that's how uh, uh, they're, they're picking these plans. And, and so uh, we're trying to, to work to develop uh, decision tools to help consumers understand these right. things that they might not normally be thinking about and the, the kind of complex cognition that goes into finding which insurance plan might be best for which consumer. Well, I guess that was going to be my next question for, and for whoever would like to pick it up, uh, is the fact that that in part is changing the mindset of the consumer, which which is a very hard thing to do when you think about you know, all of what the, the healthcare issue is right now in this country to be able to change the mindset. How do you, I mean, obviously being able to have the right tools to do that is, I think in your opinion, the best way to be able to try and do that right now, correct? Um, I think so. I mean, I don't think we can expect the consumers to fully grasp it. I, mean, I think one of the things that we're seeing in the marketplace is that um, to the extent consumers know that a plan's a narrow network plan, that there's just a limited set of choices that they might have if they do get sick, let's say, uh, they don't like them. Yeah. No one likes narrow network plans. Yeah. Like, they like the fact that they're cheaper. Sure, yeah. But they don't like narrow network plans. And and I think uh, there's there's a bit of a pushback. And I think, uh, you know, what, what are insurance plans going to look like five years from now in terms of how they use networks? I think so they're, they're, things are going to move in two different directions. One is insurance companies are going to have to adapt to the fact that consumers just don't like these plans for good reason. Yeah. Um, and they're going to have to find, you know, a new version network, you know, narrow network plans 2.0. And at the same time, they're just, we're just going to have to find better ways to explain and, and communicate these plans to customers. Yeah. No, just on, on that point, I think one of the things that most consumers, when they're shopping for insurance, it's incredibly complicated for a lot of people. And one of the easiest things to grasp is that price, how much it costs. And so, uh, one of the things that we had been discussing was to create sort of a more easily understandable indicator of what is included in a plan. And maybe sort of, it would be great if plans, when they're marketed to consumers, are required to include some sort of quickly, easily understandable uh, information about what is or not is not included in each of these plans so that right. they can make that those trade-offs, they can assess that choice more uh, with more, greater knowledge. Is that seemingly maybe the bigger question right now is not, it, obviously people want to know what is included. But making sure that they know what is not included so they can make that decision. I mean, because a lot of people say, okay, I know I'm going to have A, B, and C in a, in a policy. Okay, that's great. But then a lot of people won't even go beyond that to say, well, what am I missing here? What am I not getting here? Well, if you had, say, a column or something, I'm in an ideal world, perhaps, where you had the column of, say, is this included, is, is an NCI cancer center included or, or, or access to one is, right. or to a comprehensive cardiovascular center? And there was a check mark or no check mark or something like that. I mean, we can dream, but. <laughs> and and I, I think what that brings up is that, uh, you know, we talk about narrow network plans, plans that have limited choice. Not all narrow network plans are the same. Some could have a narrow network plan that is all about the NCI cancer center. Oh, really? You know, like uh, yeah. you could have a narrow network plan that is just like. I want to have a University of Pennsylvania plan, but yeah. it's still a narrow network. Now, that's probably something that uh, the 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 insurance plan would want to advertise. Sure, yeah. Because right? it's like a high brand plan. And yeah. those do exist, like a Kaiser plan. Kaiser uh, Permanente is a, uh, is a narrow network, and it has a very um, you know high-end brand in terms of the quality of care that it delivers. Right. 
So it could be a narrow network, but they could still really push their brand. Yeah. And I think that in an ideal world, that would be what narrow networks do. They steer patients towards the highest value providers, the places that can provide this high quality care at the reasonable cost. It just appears that from the data we've seen, that's not what's happening, that there are a lot of insurers maybe motivated solely by the prices that they're negotiating and not uh, by the quality factors. I mean, as Dan said, there are some plans where this is some narrow network plans where it seems that they are negotiating solely with the high quality providers. And right. that would be a great thing to see happen. I, I'd be interested to know. I mean, I, maybe you can uh, speak to this, but obviously because of the fact that, you know, you're talking about one organization, the National Cancer Institute, you know, and, and the impact that that they are seeing from this. What is this? What does this mean from uh, from a, a business standpoint, Dan? For NCI, what does it mean from a business standpoint for the doctors that are affiliated with NCI? Um, that's a good question. I, I think, you know, uh, the Cancer Institute centers, of course, would like to have uh, to be in every plan. Sure. Of course, right? Yeah. Um, and they'd also like to get reimbursed a high amount. Um, so, wouldn't, wouldn't every doctor? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> in every situation. And so. I mean, there's a some of the the coverage that's happened from from our article uh, seems to, you know, I guess have a tone of shame. Like, how could these insurance companies exclude these high end providers? Sure. Yeah. It's it's shameful. There's there's an ethics of how one should be delivering uh, health insurance, um, and it should be to like have perfect choice for everybody. And so, when you bring up the business aspect of it, I think we just have to acknowledge. That this is a healthcare is delivered in this you know quasi free market. This is a business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know the the business implications are one that, you know, this is a negotiation and it's a negotiated price, and so everyone's going to use every leverage that they have at their disposal to get the best payment they possibly can. Cancer happens to be an area yeah. where um, the providers have an incredible amount of leverage. Cancer happens to cost if you know one of the shameful things about cancer uh, care is um, is also that it costs you know an extreme amount sure yeah. and a lot of that is because the prices that providers can charge so there's really shame on two ends um, it's not just the shame of insurance companies leaving out these these providers but the providers are trying to get paid the highest possible dollar they can so you know I think there has to be from a business perspective a push and pull and we can't just say, one group's right and the other group's wrong. I find it interesting that, you know, we're talking about the opportunity to be able to get the care specifically that they need. And I guess before I get to that, let me go back on a question I wanted to ask before is for the consumer out there and for me, you know, Joe, uh, Joe host here, uh, what is the real difference between you know, cancer care and complex care. I mean, I mean, obviously, is it a variety of different elements that are that are on top of whatever the cancer is that that are that are adding to the complexity of it? Sure, I'll take a stab at that. Um, yes, so it's that many cancers. Uh, I mean, you don't want to say like an average or, a, but there's a lot of cancers for which the treatment is relatively straightforward, early right. stage breast cancer and such where, you know, a lot of patients are very successfully treated by community providers and it goes with great outcomes. What we what complex care means, uh, say a cancer that has metastasized, so it has it's showing up in multiple locations in someone's body and they haven't caught it early enough. Right. And they need um, really a, a 
more than just the first-line treatment. Or they have other illnesses. A lot of older patients are people who have multiple illnesses. You can't use certain treatments if you have certain other complicating illnesses. Yeah. That's what we mean by complex care. Patients who are very rare tumors, things that aren't most doctors would never have seen one of these in their life. So they would have to receive care at a more specialized place. That's what we mean by this complex okay. care. All right. And uh, uh, so just to take that a little uh, further is a lot of the advances in cancer are now around what we're calling here a personalized medicine. And um, you can take a genetic, you can look at your genetics, the individual's genetics to sure. find out which treatments may or may not work. And uh, those types of treatments are being offered in places like these NCI cancer centers and not all across the country. It's still kind of experimental and we're trying to learn as we as we move forward about new ways to treat in a more precise way. So one thing just um, that could start to develop is based on your genetic sequence, you might have a type of cancer that uh, is so personalized that it could only be effectively treated in these very complex, sure. uh, these places that can only treat the complex cases. So um, one of the things about uh, narrow networks um, is that there are some regulations out there that say even narrow network plans have to have what's called network adequacy. You have to have at least some doctors nearby that could treat your condition. Right. But some of the conditions might be so specialized that it could only be treated in NCI cancer centers. So it kind of the, the technology yeah. is hitting up against our regulations to make these insurance plans fair. I guess the, the big question for probably a lot of people out there, and it's one that popped in my head before, is you know, the, the idea of could we get to a point of, of more uni, uh, uniformity in terms of the coverage and the ability to be able to have this coverage taken care of? And, and I guess because of all the different elements, and as you mentioned, there are narrow plans that do include some of these facilities. There are obviously ones that do not. It, it's it sounds like it's a very hard ask right now to be able to have a level of uniformity that you know that that does apply to a majority of the people that are dealing with these cancer issues right now uh that's a that that would i think there's a that would be a terrific solution i think it has some implications for how one thinks about the fact that our health insurance and provider negotiations happen in a free market. Yeah. So if we insisted that there's some uniformity and that all providers need to be in insurance, you know, in insurance plans, prices would continue to go up. Yeah. So the only other option is to somewhat fix prices, which gets us into more of a more government control. There's a big debate going on in our nation oh, about yeah. whether we want to have more or less government control. So I think that um, I'm not going to, you know, get into that debate in sure. this uh, in our in our time here, but. You know, I think it, it brings up, you know, these larger questions about how we want to organize our, our healthcare system. And so we have to take the idea that we have a free market and a lot of how the, the our healthcare system is organized. It allows for this development of very complex high-end care, thinking about curing cancer by getting, you know, super specialists to really dig in and get, they should be rewarded for their um, efforts uh, versus one that is, um, but then they could be excluded and not everyone gets care. I mean, it's just kind of how the free market works. But it's something you said, Laura, uh, uh, is the fact that, you know, this data was collected from 2014, but the expectation, at least right now, is that realistically this has not changed in, in the course of the last three years. So people that were kind of in this boat in 2014 
obviously a lot of other people that maybe have contracted cancer since then are probably still in this boat or in the same situation, basically, correct? Yes, yes, it's definitely still an issue. And in fact, our uh, the other colleague on this paper is a radiation oncologist, and he's heard personally of several stories of patients who have a narrow network plan and needed to seek care at Penn, and they had to come up with all sorts of exemptions for them to be able to pursue that care. So it is, it is unfortunately a, a problem out there uh, very much still. Is there, is there a, a, a path to a solution in your mind, Dan? Uh, you know, some of it is is tied to to these larger questions of how we organize our healthcare system. Yeah, yeah. You know, kind of outside of, of my own uh, control. I think yeah. it, it's how we how we decide to to organize. It's going to be more on a free market way where we have to accept this uh, as kind of one of the one of the consequences, or, or are we going to go to more control where we can really address some of these issues of fairness? Great seeing you again. Thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Laura, nice meeting you. Thank you, you for too. coming in. Great Thank to have you. you. Dr. Daniel Polsky, uh, Executive Director of the Leonard Davis Institute here at uh, the University of Pennsylvania, and Laura Yusaitis, a postdoctoral researcher at the Perelman School. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.